Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Welcome back to the Dear Abby podcast. I still need to find a song to put at the beginning of my intro, but I haven't had the time because I still work my nine to five. And then my five to seven, and then sometimes my seven to ten. I'm just kidding, I don't work that much. I'm not a workaholic. Actually, I think I am. I actually think I really am a workaholic. But that's okay. That'll be the next thing I work on. <laughs> um, welcome to this episode of Dear Abby. Welcome back to the podcast. Wow, I really just said the podcast. I guess this is now the podcast. Um, I'm super excited to... to Okay, I'm going to be honest. I already recorded an episode and I was in the worst mood. I'm realizing that's a trend is I record when I have to and not when I want to. And I feel like I should start recording when I feel like recording just because I feel like it's a little bit different than other things that when you don't feel like doing, you should do. But I feel like recording when I don't want to record, I probably shouldn't because then I'm literally just a freaking monster. Um, not a monster. I just honestly have had a kind of a rough day today in terms of just OCD and, you know, the huge. And it's been pretty yucky. So when I recorded, I was kind of in a bad headspace. Like I would say something and then every five minutes I'd be like, "Ugh, they don't, no one cares about that. Like, I don't care. Like no one, no one's going to care that I'm saying that I'm going to get, people are going to hate it. Like they're going to be like, why is she talking about it? It just was, it was a mess. I had 0% confidence and that was only an hour ago, which just shows that it really is just ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows, my man. But here we are. And I'm excited to record now. It is kind of late. I'm doing this kind of late. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself, but I feel like this is a time where I'm too tired to be like overthinking, you know, like I'm on the verge of falling asleep. If you can tell in the video, I am not high. I am just very sleepy. So this is, I think this is episode number nine. I was kind of hoping it was 10 because dun, 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 I hit 10,000 downloads. Oh, she's. I hit 10,000 downloads. Look at the cake that I made. If you're not on YouTube, that's fine, I guess. But you'll, I'll probably post. I'll probably have posted this already. But I made a cute little cake. I made this. I bought this from Walmart. It was just like a white cake. And I just made it. And I dyed everything myself. And I redid the frosting pink. I put the things in a Ziploc bag. And I did the little thing all over the cake. And then I wrote 10K. And I put sprinkles on it. And I'm pretty proud of it. I'm going to keep it there in the corner so everyone can stare at it, including me. Because I'm very proud that it's 10,000. And I'm shocked. I didn't think it would get to 2,000. And 
yeah, I'm mostly just shocked, but I'm excited and I'm grateful and I'm humbled and blessed. So that that goes out to you guys. I wish I could give a sprinkle to everyone that listens. Just one sprinkle to everyone. Not a full piece of my cake, just a sprinkle. Uh, I'm just kidding. In all seriousness, I am very grateful for everyone that's listening. There's been people that have messaged me like the sweetest messages. And truthfully, already you guys are what's keeping me doing the podcast. They're the ones that are listening, obviously. But I am just feel grateful that people are wanting to listen to me. And I'm just excited to keep this going. That's that's one-tenth to 100,000 downloads, which is freaking nuts. And that will be a crazy day. So I hope you guys are still with me when I hit 100,000 and we can look back on this episode and laugh and say, <laughs> she thought 10,000 was a lot. Shush. Then we'll hit 1 million, then 2 million, then 10 million, then 100 million, then 1 billion. <clears throat> My eyes are on fire. So we've got some fun things to go over today. Not really fun. Just kind of, it's going to be kind of a heavier, uh, uh, no, you know what? I'm changing it right now. I don't feel like talking about it again because I already kind of talked about it. So I'll just talk about it next week when I'm not feeling it today. Today, we're going to do life updates and then we're going to do, um, mental health update and then we're going to do, um, not a game. We're going to do Dear Abby and then we're going to do a quick little other fun thing that I wanted to talk about. It's not a game, but I'm sorry, but not sorry. Okay. Life updates. Number one, I hit 10,000 downloads. Nuts. Uh, again, I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube for now. Um, Rudy is gone. And I talked about it last week, but I've been holding up pretty okay. That literally made no sense. I've been doing okay since he's been gone. I feel like there's an emptiness. Nothing will ever replace him. And I just have to live with that, unfortunately. Like getting another dog in 10 years is not going to replace Rudy. There's only one Rudy. Nothing can replace him. I'm just grateful that I had the time with him that I did. And it just sucks. It's like I missed the small things like when I'm recording, like turning around and seeing him or when I get up to go to the bathroom and he gets up with me and literally tries to go to the bathroom with me or just things like that, that usually kind of bug me, but I secretly always loved. But now I definitely am like, yep, it's confirmed. I always loved when he did that and now I'm going to miss it. And, but I've gotten updates from the owners and he's doing good. He's getting the zoomies, which is a good sign. Not all the time, but every once in a while when they go outside and then he's playing with dogs, he's giving them kisses, like he's just being a lovable boy and he's affectionate still, which is good. He's just, it's all the signs that the transition is, he's probably a little bit anxious still. I think it takes a while, but it just makes me feel comforted, but I still miss him and it makes me feel sick and I don't want to talk about it anymore. So let's freaking move on. Who asked me that? Um... I don't want to talk about that. Why did I even bring that up? And I just feel sad all over again. Nah, actually, I'm too tired to be sad. Moving on. Next life update is... I think that's it, actually. 
I'm, oh, wait, my parents came to town this weekend and they visited us. It's always fun when your family comes to town. Shout out mom and dad. I think you're listening. If not, I know who your favorite child is. It's Chelsea because you listen to her podcast every week. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm sure they're listening. They're obsessed with me. Yeah, that's right. You're hearing me. You're obsessed with me. And anyways, that was fun to have them in town. It's been a while since they've visited. You know, it's a classic. Your parents come over. They start saying, why is this off her hair? You should clean this. You need to go buy this and put this in this place and move this to this. And you just think, oh, my gosh. I think I have everything together until your parents come to your house. And then they just make you feel like, oh, shiz. Which, to be fair, a lot of the times they're right. Let's be honest. They're right, but it doesn't feel good. You get comfortable, complacent, and they come in and try to change things up on you. It, it It's always weird, though. I'm going to be honest. When, when I'm with a bunch of family, I feel like it does definitely trigger just OCD thoughts. And because I'm with people that I care about, like the most important things in the world to me um, in my life. So when I'm with them, that's kind of what comes up for me. Unfortunately, still, I think that'll probably change in the future a little bit more. But yeah, so I kind of had a rough weekend, but also a fun weekend. We can co- coexist with the pain. <laughs> that's what I tell myself I that that is it for life updates though I I am done with that because again I live the same thing every single week I felt <coughs> headphone warning I feel like there was something that was funny that happened but I can't think of it I'm doing rehab on my ankle <coughs> which is fun I guess that sucks I f- can't stretch my ankle all the way but I try to stretch it very slowly and it hurts so bad. Like it feels like I'm going to snap it in half again. I did snap it in half in the first place, but it feels like it's going to snap in half again. Another life update, I guess. Okay, I guess I have a few more. This I just barely thought of this is how horrible my posture is. Like I I don't even want to show it. It's it's pretty bad. I'm having to do ex. Well, I'm, I need to do exercises every single day to fix my posture because... It's getting bad. It got bad ever since my ankle and I stopped working out. It's been like two months since I've worked out and I go on walks, but it's not the same. It's just not the same. I I miss working out and my posture has gotten bad. So I need to work that out pronto. Okay, that actually is it. Let's let's move on. I'm getting freaking bored of myself. Oh, let me change. Let me change the ambiance in here. <clears throat> perfect. So the mental health thing I wanted to talk about today was Jay Shetty has a podcast, which I'm sure everyone knows that's probably listening to mine. Maybe, maybe not. He is, I think he's a really good interviewer. He asks really good questions. I feel like he really gets down to, you know, the core of people and he's just a really good interviewer. So I like listening to his podcast, um, especially when he has people on. And he had a Macklemore on recently. I think it was like last week or this week or something. And I listened to it just yesterday. And I had some other things I wanted to talk about, but this kind of stole the show for me because he was talking about his um, addiction recovery. And it was a weird thing to relate to because I feel like a lot of things what he was saying and the hardships of it and uh, 
I don't know how hard it is to overcome it. It's like, it feels a lot like having OCD like compulsions because just the way that he was explaining it in the process from, especially he was talking, he talked specifically about relapses, uh, relapse in a part of the podcast. And it was weirdly similar to how it feels for me with my OCD and giving into compulsions and, you know, bad habits and, but specifically compulsions. So I kind of wanted to share that. I, I didn't, I'm not, we're not going to listen to it, but basically the gist of it was he was saying, and you should go listen to it is actually really good. Even if you aren't like recovering from something or, you know, it's still just helpful if you know someone that is recovering from something like that to just kind of understand their mindset and how to help them. Because I, I think that's so, it's so key, you guys, to like, it's so necessary to just understand each other, especially if you have loved ones that are suffering with something that they're trying to get over, like recovery and um, an addiction or something. But he started to talk about how the mind like his mindset before he actually, you know, takes a drink. I don't actually remember what it was that he was recovering from, but um, basically before he relapses, he's saying the relapse starts well before, you know, I take a drink or, you know, I do, I don't know, whatever. It happens when my mind, I start to believe the thoughts in my mind and like these negative thoughts in my head. And it kind of just starts with, Sometimes he was saying it starts when he's actually in a good mood or when he feels free and happy. And then this like thing just comes back and it's like, yeah, but you know, you've been happy before and you've fallen again. So just give it some time and you'll be back to like doing drugs or you'll be back to, you know, your old self and, or whatever. And then, you know, you kind of ignore it and then it comes back and it's like, yeah, that's great that you feel great, but what about this? Or, but, you know, we both know you're not actually going to change. Or we both know you're probably just going to go back to it anyways. And, oh man, when he was talking about that, I was sobbing because that really is how it, f- it feels for me. And I have no idea what it's like to be recovering from, you know, a, like a substance or something, but. I know what it's like to be recovering from OCD and doing your compulsions that you've done for freaking who knows how long, 20 something years. It's really engraven in your brain. And it's like kind of all you know, honestly. Not all you know, but it's a lot of what you know. And having relapsed a lot in my recovery in the sense of not doing compulsions and then I do compulsions, it's crazy to me how loud that voice can get it can get so loud and it's so mean and it's so good at like pulling things from your past and and kind of proving to you that yeah you're you're never going to change and so then that kind of gets you in this mindset of oh my gosh you're right I'm never going to change and then you kind of start to listen to it and then from there it spirals into self-loathing self-hatred and then like that voice gets loud and you start to listen to it and then you start to really be disgusted with yourself and you start hating yourself and you get mad at yourself and then you feel like well I deserve to be miserable like I'm not even strong enough to get over this I deserve to be miserable and then you know that's kind of where it starts and then 
you feel like you don't even care to let get worse because you feel like you don't deserve to get better. And sheesh, sorry, this is kind of heavy, but that's, you should go listen to it. Seriously. It was really good. And it, and it really was weird how much I related to it because I don't see myself as like an addict because I don't, there's not like a substance or something that I feel like is an addiction, but uh, compulsions, he, he literally said the word compulsion. And a lot of people who I've heard who are psychologists or therapists or professionals in that field, they do relate the two in some aspects of just the intense like withdrawals and emotions and everything that you get from you know being an addict is very similar to OCD but I I have no idea how similar it is I'm not saying I understand it whatsoever or that it's the same amount of hard I have no idea I'm just saying when he was talking I was like that is literally how I feel to a T on so many levels of self-loathing why you go back to the things that you you know no are going to hurt you in the long run but they feel good in the moment because you know you feel like that's all you deserve and that's comfortable and you know like I don't know it's just it's really complicated stuff but um this there there is a point that I want to talk about (laughs) that's positive a I think it's always positive to try to learn about other people's experiences um, in just a very kind way and trying to understand other people, not to judge them, but to really understand and try to connect and help them. I'm so grateful for the people in my life that hold me accountable for my recovery. I think my boyfriend Keaton is probably the best person with this. And I'm not going to cry because I'm too tired, but even just today, he kind of picked me up and I didn't want help. I just wanted to sit in my misery and just like, I don't know. I just feel like I give up a lot. I, mean, I don't really, but it's like five minutes of just like, I'm never going to get better. And, but he doesn't really let me sit in that. And sometimes I hate that he does that because it's kind of annoying in the moment because I'm like, just let me be miserable. Just like, but all I want really in those moments is someone to just, just keep, trying to help me because I know I'm going to turn around eventually and that's not fair to anyone and I know that and it's I'm working on it but that's I guess I bring it up because a I'm grateful and for anyone who's helping a loved one with any kind of recovery or any kind of long process that takes a long time and is hard and is mentally draining and you know your partner's not perfect but they're trying and you're trying to be supportive but it's exhausting if they don't say it enough that thank you on behalf of them honestly because I I appreciate nothing more there's nothing more important to me than those people and those actions that they do to help me with my recovery truthfully like I owe them my life and it sucks to admit that sometimes that you need that much support because you see yourself in a damaged way, but that's just like what the human family is supposed to be doing for each other. And that's kind of what it just made me think of because Macklemore was talking about his wife and like how his wife has helped him with recovery. 
and she's been sober for a long time because she was, you know, in recovery as well. And she holds him accountable with like tough love sometimes and he doesn't want it. And the, I just relate to that. And I just like am grateful for people that stick with people like me and toughen it out uh, who believe in us, who believe in me. Like that's really when someone believes in me, that's really all I need sometimes. And I think if we all just tried a little bit harder to understand each other and connect with one another and stopped acting like everything's okay and like, no, I'm okay because we see that everyone else is doing okay with their pain and you know, I don't ever want anyone to ever think that I'm like just like this, uh, I don't know. I got a lot of messages when I went on Chelsea's podcast, what we said and like you've handled yourself so well with the divorce and like you sound like you're doing so good and blah, blah, blah. I can't believe you handled it that well and you're doing so good. I just want everyone to know like, yes, I'm alive and I'm breathing and I'm well and I'm grateful, but it is not, I am not okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm okay, but I'm not okay. And that's, I'm, and that's not a shameful thing. Like I've just, I'm trying to let go of the shame that's associated with me being in a lot of pain still from my divorce because it's just confusing. It's just confusing. It sucks. I'm like having to face all of these scary things within me. It's just like, it sucks and it's hard and I feel very isolated. But anytime I talk to anyone else that has OCD, if I go to a support group, if I connect with someone that has similar, I don't know, trials, it's like I feel like, okay, actually my shame is starting to disappear because that voice that's like, you're the only one, you're broken, you're this, you're that, you're isolated. That starts to get a lot quieter and it gets louder before it gets quieter. But I, I know that I'm not alone and that we're, we're not here to like have this, like everyone's having fun all the time. Sometimes people have to face really dark, yucky things because either they make a mistake to get there, someone else makes a mistake and they have to suffer their consequences. But that's just kind of how life is and learning to accept that and accept that no one around me is perfect and no one around me is just okay all the time. We're all just broken, you know what I mean? And that's not saying that we shouldn't try to be better and we shouldn't try to grow but I think if we all kind of let our egos go for a second and really saw each other as you know just fellow 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 humans you know and the big human family I think we would see more of ourselves and other people a lot more and if we really let go of our pride and our ego and our oh but we're different than everyone else and we really try to connect to other people, even if it's just family that you think or whatever. Just just try it and or go to a support group for people to understand what you're going through or just connect to your siblings, your friends, open up, ask them about their day, ask them to really open up and try to listen to understand to get that voice. Your voice will be your mind will be so loud sometimes listening to other people. But somebody just got to like shut that voice up or just like ignore it, you know, see that it's there, but don't, don't tune in. 
just just tune past just go past the radio station tune into another one and yeah just don't don't be don't be scared to share with other people that you're not doing okay and all of these things I'm saying because this is what I need to hear this is things that I'm learning how to do and I'm I'm trying to do better at and it's it's really freaking hard to change those patterns of like self-isolating and or isolating yourself I guess and thinking that you're different and you're I don't know anyways I'm rambling so I'm just going to move on but it's really good it's the the podcast is against Jay Shetty with Macklemore and it's really good you seriously should listen to it okay let's do let's do Dear Abby Dear Abby, how do I stop categorizing? I feel like my entire life I've always categorized people into different things. It was almost like a comfortable thing for me. Even in high school, I'd have different friend groups who call me by different names and nicknames um, so I could keep them all in their different categories. <laughs> and now I kind of see it as I categorize people by their political party. I categorize people by their Enneagram and I categorize myself mm. and I don't want to be putting anyone into boxes. I don't want to be putting myself into boxes that I don't belong in. And how do I, how do I break free from those categories that have kept me so comfortable for so long? And how do I Sheesh. stop categorizing others as well? Thank you. Okay, well, first off, that is a very good question. And also, you're very emotionally aware, I feel like, already. Because you already said the first thing is that, you know, you have been doing these things for so long because they're comfortable. They keep you kind of in this nice little cushy comfort zone uh, of things because you feel like you know it. And you feel like, oh, so that's, you know, that's person's, uh, like, political party, like, that person's conservative, that person's liberal, that person's an independent, that person's like, I don't know, all of these different things. And then you say, okay, because they're A, that means they're A, B, C, D, if they're, like, they're all of these things. So because they're whatever, they're now all of these things that we associate with these types of people. Which is <laughs> just is irrational to do that with experience. Especially people with things. Honestly, I don't see a problem with categorizing different things. Like if you, I don't know, like if you like something right now and you don't like something else like uh, music or something, just like I don't like that. And you don't have to categorize that as good, bad, stupid, smart, whatever. It's just like I don't really like it. It's not really aligning with me right now and then move on. But I think definitely if you categorize people, that's probably something that yeah you definitely I think we all do it though so not like definitely you should work on but like it is probably going to be helpful and beneficial and uncomfortable to work on not categorizing people because it it yeah it I mean I do the same thing for sure uh I, I don't I don't think I do it as much right now because I feel like I've had to kind of break through some of that just through my like recovery with OCD. But definitely with people, it's really hard to not label them or not categorize them. Um, I'd say the first thing is to kind of figure out why 
you prefer to categorize people if it just makes it obviously we said comfort but if it that's because you know you can guess what people are going to do you can guess if they're going to like you or not you can guess if they're safe or not safe or whatever if if it just gives you a false sense of control probably a little bit um because in reality they could be you know a liberal or they could be a conservative that has nothing what like they're just not at all what you think they are and so that's kind of exhausting honestly to hold these one-dimensional I guess categories to crazily to to crazy to to people to souls to I don't know morphing humans um I think definitely when we categorize, it is trying to look for some type of control, some type of knowing, some type of certainty, um, which obviously we actually don't really have any of those things, which is uncomfortable. So that could strike a lot or that could bring up a lot of uncomfortable feelings. I think if you're starting to kind of knock down some of those categories and see people a little bit more complexly. Wait. A little more comp. Wait. People with a little bit more complexity. That's the word. Complexity. That might bring up some uncomfortable feelings. Because it is kind of like a loss of control. <laughs> and it might kind of break down some irrational beliefs. Or limiting beliefs. Um, especially if you categorize yourself. That's definitely self like that's like limiting beliefs. And I think in order to kind of get to a new place in life, you're obviously ready to do to kind of tackle this because you're writing in about it. You're you're thinking about it. You're seriously considering it. You're trying to figure out the best way to approach it. So I think you are ready to to handle this and start to kind of knock these things down. But I'd say don't get a little don't get like obsessive about it, I think, because it's impossible to kind of, maybe not impossible, but it's extremely hard to never categorize anything. I think a little bit of categorization is probably fine. Um, but when you talk to people, then just kind of clean slate it and just listen to them to understand them, not to like project anything that you believe or project anything that you think that because they believe A, B, and C, that means that they're A, B, and C. And to just start a conversation or go into a conversation with an open mind, open heart, and knowing full well that I think sometimes when we don't want to have an open heart or an open mind in a conversation, it's because we think that they can change our mind easily about something that's important to us. And I think if we take a look at that, and you recognize, well, no, this is important to me and I can respect and I can hold other people's opinions as being valuable, but it doesn't have to change mine. And I think if, if we kind of understand that just because people aren't what we think they are, it's not going to like destroy our whole lives. We can still choose to believe what we want to believe and have our own opinions. And just because we listen to other people and we start to understand people more it's not going to change our opinions and if it does 
then good. That that's probably because you. It, it's probably a better opinion or something. I don't know. It aligns with you more. Yeah, I think back to what I was saying about it might bring up weird feelings. I think because anytime it's uncertain or confusing or something, it always brings up negative emotions that don't feel very good. And so I think just sit with those if they come up when you're kind of starting to dissect this or if you're journaling something about it. Um, Just kind of sit with those because they're very normal human experiences. And sitting with them just means you can name it like I feel confused, I feel scared, I feel nervous, I feel angry or something and then you don't necessarily try to figure out why you just kind of sit with it and you can breathe through it you can stand up and walk you can be doing something while you're sitting with it but just don't attach to it don't try to guess how long it's going to be there for um it's important to say i am feeling a b or c because that kind of detaches you from the feeling and it's just saying this is my experience right now. So I guess some summing it all up, I feel like I've just word vomited, is to sit with the uncomfortable feelings that come up when you start to deconstruct these categories and why you've created these categories and why you feel like you have to put people in a box. Um, and then do that where you deconstruct everything and try to figure out, you know, why maybe it's comfortable to put people in boxes and you don't have to be harsh on yourself for it it's just you know we're all raised and we learn what we need to and then we grow out of it so you're just kind of growing out of it um but I think that's really honorable and I think that's really respectable that you're doing that because it is kind of a scary thing to do it's kind of uh what's the word it's just it's not very comfortable. It's uncomfortable. I don't know why I couldn't think of that word, but it's an uncomfortable thing to do. So go off and you'll probably make a lot more connections this way, like friendship wise or just in general, and probably feel a little bit more fulfilled and more love towards people because maybe we'll understand them more the more we like deconstruct the categories and really see them as just like complex human beings that have that change and have a billion thoughts a, a day <laughs> and just trying their best to do the best they can. I think that's, I think that's everything that I can think of right now. Hopefully that's good uh, advice. Okay. Again, we don't have a game, but this is what I wanted to talk about is pick me girls so I'm not going to go too crazy into this if you guys want me to talk about it more then comment in I don't know message me on Instagram or comment below but I've been really pondering about pick me girls lately and as a retired pick me girl myself justice for the pick me girls because and hear me out hear me out because pick me girls are damaged girls that feel rejected by our own gender so we want to reject them first I mean not we but they (laughs) Uh, I actually I'm actually not a pick me girl because Chelsea told me what a pick me girl is and she said I don't think you're a pick me girl and I said well I feel like people think I'm a pick me girl 
And she said, well, if you're giving that energy, then they probably do think you're a pick me girl. And I said, well, shiz, I don't not support women. I love, I love girly stuff. And I don't ever shame women for liking girly stuff, which that is a pick me girl, I guess, is when you shame women for liking girly stuff like shopping or doing your nails or having feelings, <laughs> which I don't think I've ever really done in my life. But I think maybe in high school, I was a little bit of a pick me girl for like a year or so being like, oh, makeup's stupid. I would never wear makeup. Um, and now I just embrace all of it and whatever you want to do, you can do. And I think it's beautiful. Anyways, the reason we were on this topic is because Chelsea was telling me that she exposed me to all of her friends saying that I told her I was scared as a pick me girl and that's why I don't ever get girlfriends. But um, I had opened up to her about how it's hard for me to make girlfriends because I don't put in the work. Pretty much is what it is. And I, I can own that. And I feel like I automatically assume that girls aren't going to like me. And if they do like me, it's because they're just trying to be nice, which is probably true. And we came to the conclusion that when I was in high school, and if any of the girls are listening, I literally hold nothing against anyone in the story. This was forever ago and I we were just going back in my archives and I was trying to think of why and when did something happen that I felt rejected by like just girls and like girly girls and you know, I don't know. And we traced it all the way back to high school and I was in a trio that did not end well and I felt rejected and hurt by my own race and from that point on, I just wanted to hang out with guys and so I did. I hang out with guys a lot and I wouldn't date every guy I'd hang out with before anyone says anything but I did have a lot of guy friends I'm not gonna lie and I would say things like I just prefer to hang out with guys but to be fair they were generally nicer to me and if that's because I was cute and I was being flirty maybe but that was easier than being rejected by my own gender you know I'm I'm just messing, but that's, I mean, it is kind of true though. I think when we, me and Chelsea were talking about it further and further and going deeper and deeper, we did discover that maybe that's why all pick me girls are the way that they are is because they were in, they were in a friend group of girls and they were rejected by them or they were mean to them or something like I had some girls be brats to me. And I always felt kind of misunderstood. And so I just started to automatically have people misunderstand me so I could choose to be a misunderstood instead of be misunderstood on accident. And we just learned that. And I think we nailed it. I think that's what it is. So if you know a pick me girl, just know that she's she really just wants to be your friend and she just doesn't know how to approach it. So she might say, that's stupid. I would never get my nails done. You say, that's okay. What do you like to do? You know, make friends with the pygmy girl. Uh, I've actually, I can't really think of someone I know that like was the major pygmy girl. But if you know someone, just have a little bit of sympathy and just know that they're probably hurting inside and they actually probably want girly girlfriends. 
And okay, that's not saying you don't have to be a girly girl to like that. That's the thing. That's what I was confused by. I thought if you were a tomboy, that meant you were a pick me because I like having my nails done. I just don't like paying the money and I things that I use like painting and stuff and I don't know, I'll climb and I don't I can't have my nails done for that. So I don't really like it in that sense. It's not functional for me as well as shopping. I'm not like a huge sh shopping person. Okay. And maybe that's stereotypical. Maybe I'm being sexist against my own race. I don't care. Okay. But I don't really enjoy it that much. I just really don't. But you know what I do enjoy? Video games, unfortunately. And one thing I do enjoy is talking about my feelings though. So I can connect to any girl in that way. We can talk about our feelings all day and I'll be happy. Um, I also like sports. I like messing around, you know, joking around. But I also like taking everything seriously. So <clears throat> I'm a good candidate for a friend. Um, however, I will not go get my nails done with you. I don't really enjoy doing that, if I'm being honest. And that's the thing that I'm scared to say because I don't want to, it to come off as a, in a pick-me way. I don't care if other people do. I just don't like doing it. Um, so justice for pick-me girls. And if you're a pick-me girl, you probably don't know that you're a pick-me girl. But if you make fun of other women, do better. And work on your deep-rooted rejection. And, you know, just just recognize that, that you were hurt by women and now you don't like them. I could do a whole episode just on that and I might, I might do it. I'll probably bring Chelsea on or something or I'll bring a pick me girl the whole time. Oh, that's why I should find a pick me girl, invite her on, ask her a bunch of questions, expose her as a pick me girl and then tell her and then we can live. We can figure out why she's a pick me girl and then we can prove our theory right or prove our theory wrong. That again, to reiterate the theory is that Pick me girls are just damaged from past girl friendships that they felt rejected. And so now they, they choose uh, to be with men and to hate women. Again, pick me girls are not girls that just like to hang out with guys. Pick me girls are specifically girls. And I only know this because Chelsea gave me like a 20 minute PowerPoint on what a pick me girl is because I didn't really understand are girls that belittle other women for for normal things to make themselves look better, I think. Right, Chelsea? I think. So if you do that, don't do that. It's rude. And I'll be your friend, though. And I promise you there's girls out there that are sweet and they won't reject you and they'll want to be your friends and you can have sweet, feminine, soft friendships. Okay? And I think we all deserve that. Even men deserve that. Okay. That's it. That was my game. That's not a very fun game, but I thought it was kind of funny and I wanted to talk about it. And I don't know if people will agree with me or if this will be controversial, but I'm excited to get backlash because maybe that'll make my podcast go viral. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, sorry if it was a wild one or if the audio was weird or something. My microphone did not come in. So 
and I didn't have time to really edit too much. So hopefully I didn't get canceled in the middle of me talking or anything horrible happen. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me again on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and I post every single Thursday, 12 a.m., everything's live. Oh, go write a rating. Go write a review, please. Also, please, please, please write reviews. I'm almost at 100 reviews, and I can't believe that, and I'm so excited to get to 100. That's crazy to me. You guys are all so nice. So go write a rating and review. Love you. Bye.